Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Crohn's Fitness Food Podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie Gish, Crohn's Warrior and IGA Nephropathy Warrior, and I'm dedicated to sharing the stories of those with IBD. Thank you so much for joining me today. Now let's get to it. Well, hi, everyone. My guest today is Katie Truscott-Howell, who's been battling Crohn's disease and celiac disease since she was 18. Her journey with IBD and celiac disease, combined with her passion and commitment to fitness and a healthy lifestyle, led her to start Katie's Life Kitchen, UK's only meal kit provider suitable for people who suffer with IBD, celiac disease, IBS, or gluten and dairy intolerances. She's here to share her story and how she balances life with Crohn's. Thank you so much for joining me today, Katie, and welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Of course. Well, let's go ahead. Let's jump right in. And you can you start us off by sharing your Crohn's story, Crohn's and celiac, really, and talk to us about your first symptoms and how you got your diagnosis. Uh, yeah, so my diagnosis um, for celiac disease um, was before Crohn's, actually. So um, I was 18. I got really sick, completely out of the blue. Um, I was basically bed bound for about three months. So at that particular time, I was working in the city. I was working in London and I had to have quite a long time off work. Um, the hospital couldn't tell what was wrong with me. They actually thought I had uh, liver and kidney failure. Um, they completely disregarded the fact that I could have allergies or intolerances or anything like that. So it was actually my mum who said to them after three months, can you please test my daughter for um, any allergies, which they did. And yeah, it turned out that I had celiac disease. So um, eliminated uh, wheat out of my diet. But ultimately, back then, the supermarkets didn't really have anything. Um, nothing was really celiac disease wasn't well known at all. Like gluten free wasn't well known. Restaurants had no idea what it was. So it was it was really difficult to get get by and really kind of work out what I can and can't eat. So it was real trial and error, um, which was difficult in itself. And I was ill, like most of the time. Um, I mean, now it's amazing. Like, you know, there's an alternative for everything that is now gluten free. It's like there's it's all over the shelves. It's everywhere. But just like you said, I mean, it hasn't really been that long since since gluten free really became as available as it is now. Yeah, exactly. And I'm very grateful that it is now, to be honest, because, yeah, it just means you can enjoy life a bit more. Um, so my Crohn's diagnosis came after that. It took them a couple of years to actually find that out as well, which um, they could only find it through MRI because where my Crohn's is, where all my stretches are, it, it wasn't accessible either end through camera. So they diagnosed that through MRI and um, then it was just a case of being on and off of steroids for years um, to the point where it was, you know, you're going to have to have a bag or we can try you on a biologic. So at that point, I decided to take my nutrition into my own hands and do my degree, become a nutritionist. I was already into bodybuilding. I was a figure competitor. So I already like had a baseline knowledge and understanding um, from nutrition, from learning off my coach for years. So doubled that up with my degree and then launched um, Casey's Life Kitchen because there just wasn't a company that could cater for me. 
Um, you know, whatever I ordered online had some form of trigger food in it. And yeah, I just couldn't find anything that was easy and it saved me time and it was completely bespoke, completely tailored. So yeah, I thought, you know, I did a quite a bit of field testing. Like I reached out to quite a few people in the IBD community and said, you know, Hey, would you, would you be interested if I did launch a business like this? And everyone was like, yes. And including a lot of parents for their children that have IBD, they were like, yes. So yeah, really kind of, you know, set the fire alight and off I went. (laughs) We're definitely going to circle back to your business because I fell in love with it. And I was like, why is it not here in the US? (laughs) Canada as well. They're like, why are you not here? (laughs) (laughs) So we're we're definitely going to circle back to that. Um, When you first started getting your diagnosis, even with celiac disease, did any of your physicians or doctors or anyone in the healthcare arena, did anyone give you advice on what to eat, especially as you were navigating the celiac and Crohn's? No, no, it was shocking. Um, I had a nutritionist appointment, but that literally never even transpired. It was like a six month waiting list, which then got pushed back to a year and it was just shocking. But all of my friends who have Crohn's or or colitis um, are in the same boat, like no one tells them or helps them on the nutritional side. And even my gastroenterologist says, like, they're so understaffed with nutritionists, it's insane. So it's like more and more people are getting diagnosed with IBD and celiac disease. And then there's less and less nutritionists. So, (laughs) um, yeah. What about, do you think, because you had celiac for a long time, and I know I've heard a lot of people, it's it's hard to get a Crohn's IBD diagnosis. Do you think a lot of your physicians attributed your IBD symptoms to celiac? Do you feel like that kind of delayed your actual diagnosis there? Um, no, I don't think so. My gastro was incredible. Um, I had quite a few different gastro consultants because I was getting passed around from hospital to hospital because none of them could find out what was wrong with me. Um, but I landed with the gastroenterologist that I'm with now. And um, as soon as I was underneath his wing, he honestly booked me into about, I want to say about 30, 35 different tests that ran for about five months. Like I had to do all these tests and he was not giving up. He was like, we are going to find out what what is going on with you because a lot of people, you know, it gets to a point where you're just so depressed and you can't do anything right. You have no idea what you're doing, what's going to help. You're in this really awkward position of being totally exhausted, in pain and still having to function like a normal person every day. Um, he's like a godsend and even now like I've got his you know he gives me his direct email address so if I need to contact him if I'm in a flare-up or whatever he ca- he comes back to me that day like it, honestly incredible so I don't think I don't think that that happened but when whenever I, whenever I have my MRIs which I have every couple of months um they'll show me the scans and then they'll say oh look, here's all your celiac disease and they'll show me so um no, I don't think it prolonged it. I just think it's a really tough disease to diagnose. It is. Yeah. And I'm really glad to hear you say that you had a great gastroenterologist because it seems that that's 
less common now um, than it should be. So that makes me happy to hear that you have someone really fighting to figure out what's wrong and really supporting you because that, oh, yeah. that is awesome. They are out there. Yeah. <laughs> they are out there. They're sometimes hard to find, but. <laughs> yes, they are. I'm very grateful. Yeah, I'm very blessed. So you did steroids for quite a bit. It's kind of mentioned on and off steroids a lot. Did you end up getting on to any other medications throughout your diagnosis and into this journey? Yeah, I was on like the standard meds that people take. Uh, to be honest, I didn't feel any different on them. And um, a lot of people messaged me on Instagram saying that they don't. And they, they actually say, look, I'm on this. Did it help you? Because it's not doing anything for me. And I'm like, no. Um, so, yeah, I was on steroids for quite a long time until my liver um, I got a really bad liver infection and my liver started to pack up because of all the steroids. So that was when I, um, my Crohn's had got to such a severe point. They said like, my gastro said, you need to try this biologic, which I did. And I injected it at home called Humira. Um, but I was actually allergic to that. So they had to pull me from that, um, straight away because that particular biologic suppresses, all your immune system whereas the biologic that I'm on now just targets my gut so basically when my body was so um like in a really bad state from all of the steroids it just couldn't cope with again being like fully suppressed so they put me onto this other biologic that I have to go into hospital and have intravenously um but it just targets my gut so fingers crossed I've been on that for four years now and yeah and that, alongside my diet, it seems to be remission. That's <laughs> so. perfect. That's the winning combination. Fingers crossed. Uh, no. <laughs> no. Tell, me, tell me about the drug you're on, because I read your profile online and it was like Vendolizumab. <laughs> I, yeah. I hadn't heard of it. So tell me what it was. Is it a newer drug um, or has it been around for a little bit? I think it's been around for a little bit. Yeah. Um, I've been on it for four years. I think it was launched... Um, maybe a year before I was put on it. So maybe it's been around for about five years now. Um, but it's similar to infliximab, I believe. Um, I know there's quite a few different biologics out there now and new ones are getting released all the time, which is amazing. Um, because once one stops working, they then put you onto another one. Um, but I think this, the Vedo is um, for people that have like, severe Crohn's so um I think you get put on Vedo maybe one once a couple of the others stopped have stopped working on you so it's kind of like a last resort biologic um but I have had it took about 10-11 months to work on me but it's been great since so yeah fingers crossed I, I think it's had quite a lot quite a lot of success good what's the name of it Vedo <laughs> Vedalizumab. Vedaliz, Vedalizumab. <laughs> so it's not just me. <laughs> every time I have my, um, every time I go in to have it done, I try and say it. My nurses try and teach me, and I'm like, ugh, I can't say it. Just Vedo. <laughs> That's it. They're like, just say Vedo. It's Vedo's fine. easier. <laughs> so talk to me about fitness throughout this whole time. You came from a background of fitness competitions, very much into. I'm sure weightlifting and the whole deal. So how did that, how did celiac and IBD affect your fitness journey? Um, because I was reading that you even came to Miami for a little bit and you 
started doing CrossFit. So you've got a very, very interesting journey. So tell me about where you started, how it kind of changed through IBD and where you're at now. Yeah, so um, I've always been a competitive horse rider. So I've always competed on my horses back in the UK. And then I got to about 16 and I started weightlifting. So um, I've kind of always been really active, like tennis, swimming, all of that. And then, um, yeah, I moved to Miami when I was 19 and got into CrossFit for a couple of years. And I'd um, the Navy uh, actually launched, um, they used to do like um, competitions on the beach, kind of like Tough Mudder, but different. Um, so I did them as well. I had a great time. Um, but it was at that point, so I got diagnosed with celiac disease when I was 18. So I'd just been diagnosed with that. And then I came to the States and it wasn't very well known over over there. So I was ill like a lot of the time. So it, diff- it, it did affect my training and what with the chronic fatigue. But I think where I'm such a competitive person and I'm so resilient, I'm not going to let anything stop me. Like I don't let my Crohn's control me. I control my Crohn's. So I don't care whether I feel chronically fatigued. I'm still going to be doing it. I'm one of those people. Like I really don't care if I'm in bed and I can't get out of bed, but I've got a race in the afternoon, I'll get up and I'll do the race. Like I'll just suffer the consequences. The heck with IBD. <laughs> so, yeah. And, um, I mean, it's it's good and bad, I guess. But um, so, yeah, I then I came back to the UK when I was 21. I got into bodybuilding competitively. Um, I was a figure competitor in bodybuilding. And now I've actually completely done a 180 and I am uh, running ultra marathons for Crohn's and Colitis. So I partnered with Crohn's and Colitis UK, the charity over here and um yeah I do I'm an endurance athlete now so I run uh ultra marathons and raise money for charity oh that's awesome where have you how long first tell me how long is an ultra marathon because a regular marathon is 26.1 miles right I think it is I think it's like 28 yeah I think it's like 28 miles um so the one the ultra marathon that I'm doing in May is 100 kilometers so it's 58 kilometers the first day and then the rest on day two so it's over two days. So yeah, that's gonna be fun. Oh, that's awesome. And I'm Is... gonna be I'm gonna be really interested to see how my Crohn's behaves. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. <laughs> Will this be your first official ultra marathon? Official one, yes. So yeah, training has been going for a while now and uh, it's just so different to bodybuilding. It's been so it's been really nice, but it's just been just just so different so it's a great challenge and I've loved every minute so yeah I'm gonna be doing this for a while I think that's awesome what are some of the tips that you've uh, picked up along the way for kind of navigating the IBD while you're doing such intense physical activity whether it was either weightlifting or now getting into the ultra marathons well yeah so every time my mom comes into hospital with me she always moans to the nurses about this she's like oh I think Katie's doing too much you know I'm so worried about her you know can you just tell her to slow down and to stop and whatever but the nurses always say like Katie knows her body and she 
just needs to listen to her body and that's exactly what I do so for example on the days I have my infusion I'm like horrendously fatigued after used to last about a week but it only lasts that day now because I've been having them for so long so I'll take that day as my day off and my next day will be my recovery day so I'll just do something light um so basically how however I'm feeling on that particular day I just take it day by day is how far I'll push myself whether that be strength and conditioning training or if I'm doing a recovery or a tempo day or a long distance day whatever I, I don't I used to write my like training diary out and stick to it rigidly but it works so much better when I literally just do it on a day-to-day basis and I don't punish myself for not doing what was on the diary so because I can just do it another day right I don't need to just stick to this crazy routine because that's what I've written down on a piece of paper (laughs) so I think ultimately um because people with a chronic illness are so up and down you don't know how you're going to feel from day to day even if you have like a great sleep that night you might wake up and you might feel like crap it happens so and, and if it does that's that's fine you just need to take that time to think what can I do alternatively and just listen to your body and and do what works for for you everyone's different and yeah everyone's unique so I love that what do you think you attribute your mindset to because you mentioned earlier that you you're just the type of person that I'm just going to get up I'm going to do it but you've got this positive outlook this positive mindset that you know what Crohn's to heck with you I'm going to still live my life. How do you how do you remember that every day and how do you feed that mindset? Um so I have like small little routine things that I do every day. So one of them is I write down three things that make me happy. I write down three things that make me grateful and I'm just constantly reminding myself that where I am right now in life and what I have achieved and just being able to wake up in the morning and not be in pain, for example, or eat breakfast and not be in pain, or I'm able to get get out and ride my horse or go for a walk in nature or take my dog for a walk or whatever it might be. And I can actually get up and walk because there's been so many times where I've been in so much pain, I can't even walk. I'm so grateful for those for those moments in my life like even though it's just like a normal thing for a normal person to do but I understand that you know I haven't been able to do the little things that are everyday things before so I think I just practiced I just practice being grateful every single day and yeah that's basically what keeps me so positive I think about the whole thing (laughs) Yeah, I think gratitude and journaling is a huge benefit for especially anyone with chronic illness, but really anyone in general. But it's something I've started to, gratitude especially, is once you put your mindset to it and you start looking at the world in a different way to really look around your environment, look at the people that you're with and appreciate the little things, it really does wonders for a mindset. Oh, exactly. The little things are the big things. So just taking every day step by step and not, it's just so easy to get bogged down as well. You know, if you're having a bad day and you kind of get into this spiral of, you know, oh my God, I can't believe this is happening to me. Why me? And all of this, 
it's you know you've always got to just stay on top of that so by doing these tiny little things that might seem insignificant actually they they just yeah they keep me going so I would highly recommend it for sure Tell me about, I think I read on your profile, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you mentioned this five, four, three, two, one method. Oh, by Mel Robbins. Yes. (laughs) Tell me about that. (laughs) Um, I've been following Mel for years. I think she's absolutely incredible. Um, Yeah, it's like this high five rule that she does. And if there's something like if you're procrastinating about something or um, if you're feeling like low that day or you or you have no self-confidence or whatever it might be you just look yourself in the mirror and give yourself a high five or if you're laying in bed or whatever you're doing you just count down five four three two one and whatever it is that you need to do you just do it you just count down from five and you literally just do it you just get up and you do it no questions asked and um yeah, I think it's like been scientifically proven to like work wonders with your mindset. So I would, again, yeah, if you're not following Mel, follow Mel Robbins. She's just incredible. She's just a great human. So she's helped a lot. Yeah, she's basically all my saved. <laughs> I haven't heard of Mel Robbins. Is she fitness? Is she mindset? Is she, maybe I've seen her and I don't realize it. <laughs> You probably have. She's on a lot of the standard motivation things that people use on on their reels. Yeah, she's more like her mindset. Um, she used to be, I think she used to be a lawyer, actually. She used to be a lawyer. She used to be an alcoholic. She was nearly um, bankrupt. And then she turned her life around. And now she's like one of the most successful people. And she's she holds a lot of mindset, um, like workshops. Like she's yeah, she's huge. She's really well known. So she's been through it, but she's like, her life is amazing. And yeah, she just practiced what she preaches. So definitely one to follow. I'm definitely going to follow her. (laughs) (laughs) So tell me, tell me more about your background. You're running your own business now, but tell me a little bit about how you got there. I'm assuming that you didn't, when you were 18, you probably didn't have the dream to have a mailbox company. So tell me what your background a little bit more in depth about what your background was and then how that changed through IBD and how you got onto this career path. Uh, yeah, so I uh, I actually started to be an architect um, and then I ended up, um, I ended up being in, in banking when I was 17, 18, moved to Miami, work moved me out to Miami, 19, 20, 21. And then I got headhunted to be in uh, pharmaceutical. So I went into pharma for four years um, yeah, and then I, uh, I ultimately I wanted to launch Casey's Life Kitchen, so that's when it really started because I had to write about two hundred and fifty recipes, so that took a long time. On top of you know my full time job um, and training and everything, so and you went back and got nutritionally certified. Yeah, I think was it? Yeah, exactly. So then I, um, so I quit. Um, I quit being in business development and I moved into um, an operational role for a gym wear clothing brand and then I alongside that started to study um, and started to launch the business so I was kind of doing three things at once um, which was a lot and it took its toll on 
on my Crohn's because I didn't get much sleep, but it paid off. <laughs> so yeah, the website took quite a long time to build, although I'm, a, I'm building a new one at the moment. Um, and it kind of, I know they say like everything happens for a reason and it's really cliche, but at points in my life, it was so like all over the place. I was thinking, oh my God, is this all going to come together? Like this is insane. And it did, it, it did, it all came together and it's now like more than what I could have ever asked for. So. And you were, you kind of had the, you were mentioning at the very beginning, you started it because you couldn't find any food. You couldn't find the meals that you needed. So. Were these all your original 250 recipes and how did, like, were some of these recipes you were starting to write for yourself early on in the beginning that then kind of became the foundation? Yeah, exactly. So when I moved to Miami, I, uh, I moved out of home and I was on my own and I was 19 and I, there wasn't anything for me to eat really out there. So I just started writing my own recipes and, um, it just kind of developed from there. Like I I had quite a lot of time when I was out there and um, I would make like my lunches for work. I know it sounds really pathetic, but then at the weekend I'd spend like, I'd dedicate my Sundays to just like recipe writing basically. And I think even when I look back now, I think that was all building up to the point that I'm at now like even being in sales in banking and sales in pharma it was all giving me that experience on like how to speak to people and how to approach people and just giving me like different techniques to use um how to write newsletters you know um so when I actually decided I wanted to launch a business in this space I kind of had a lot of background skills and knowledge to to put that into practice so yeah I definitely think like even me getting diagnosed with Crohn's kind of ultimately landed me in the position that I'm at now because if I had never got that diagnosis then KLK wouldn't even exist so it's crazy really. Did you start with just meals for IBD and then expand into focusing on meals for because you do pretty much meals for anyone with gut sensitivities now it's IBD it's celiac dairy intolerances yeah yeah that was just through demand so um the original was IBD and trigger foods so it was like completely bespoke person by person and then I was getting so many inquiries do you cater for do you cater for can you do this for me so I just yeah just and now it's it's in the fitness world as well so I do like macro meals for people that are competing or people that just want to lose weight or just get healthy or want to lose body fat or whatever they want to do so yeah it's been kind of like a an ongoing <laughs> development that was never in the business model, original <laughs> business model. <laughs> it's grown <laughs> yeah it's just it's been really cool though it's been such a cool journey tell me how it works a little bit more because I was reading about it and I thought it was so cool because I noted on there that you give people like there's a form to fill out like what their trigger foods are and then that helps you to design the boxes or the meals. So tell me a little bit about how it works and kind of how the meal process works. Yeah. So um, basically I ask uh, just a few questions to start with. So when someone inquires in, I'll find out what their trigger foods are, any allergies, any intolerances, how many meals they want per day, how many meals they want per week. Um, And then I draw out a complete diet plan for them, each recipe on each day, 
meal one, two, three. Some people have six meals a day, um, however many days a week. And then I send that to them and they can write any notes if they want any meals changed, if there's any ingredients that they don't like, um, anything like that. If they have any questions, there's a little question box for them. Um, and then they send it back to me and I can change it 99.9% of the time they don't. Um, and then, yeah, it's it completely made. Everyone that has a seven-day plan gets two deliveries per week. Anyone that has a four-day plan gets one. So, yeah, it's just it's basically just completely tailored person by person. So That's awesome. I yeah. have not heard of anything else like that, I mean, that even comes close. There's obviously meal deliveries, but there's nothing that is so catered and individualized. That is incredible. Yeah, and it's it's just really fulfilling when, you know, I get – emails or dms and i just hear how well people are doing that's what i that's what i live for and they're saying how much better they feel or they're not in pain or they're not bloating anymore and it's just yeah it's just so fulfilling and where do you ship to because as i mentioned earlier i'm disappointed i'm pretty pretty sure it's not to the us (laughs) but i do have a lot of uk i have a lot of uk listeners so (laughs) just nationwide i ship everywhere so yeah and it's on next day delivery dhl so everywhere not ireland but everywhere Mm -hmm. else (laughs) unfortunately so tell me about life now how do you balance running a business and crohn's and ultra marathon training how do you balance stress because stress for a lot of people is a trigger and I'm sure your life is not free of stress. <laughs> no, so what are, what, are the, <laughs> what are the tips and tricks you have now for for maintaining remission um, while achieving so much? List making, definitely. I, my diary is pretty much just one big giant list that I find great satisfaction ticking off each task that I get I do done. Too. <laughs> and if I forget, if I do something and it's not on the list, I'm like, let's put it on the list so I can cross it I know. off. <laughs> I backdate my list. I'm like, I'll add that on and just tick it off straight away. Starting the I day ahead. <laughs> I definitely do that yeah honestly list making if I get really overwhelmed I go out for a run um because I've learned that that relieves a lot of stress for me or if actually I'm in pain I will go out for a run because that relieves my pain weirdly so um I have learned or I go out for a walk I've learned that um over time whatever relieves my stress or my pain I will prioritize so if I'm doing admin or something like that or if something's really bothering me then I will just shift my diary around and put my training in then and there and then whatever admin I can do I can do later that's not a problem um so again it's just about being flexible and listening to your body and if you are feeling overwhelmed and even if like meditation works for you whatever it might be do it don't wait don't sit there and eat yourself away and get more and more stressed and just prioritize what will relieve that stress because ultimately then it's going to relieve the pain and then you can probably do the task a lot better (laughs) so yeah that's what um that's what I've learned to do for sure that's great 
So yeah. talk to me about, let's, let's talk about food some more. <laughs> what does, what does your diet look like now? Uh, because we know that everyone is so individual with IBD. So tell me about kind of the things that are working for you, what hasn't worked um, and what that looks like now. So I had quite a few trigger foods when I was in a bad way. Um, I had quite a giant list of foods that I would need to avoid because they just set me into a flare up um, or, and drinks as well um, through everything like that. So um, I basically eliminated all of my trigger foods out of my diet. I also had to go on um, liquid diets for two weeks at a time when my IBD nurses told me that I had to because my bowel could literally couldn't digest solid food because I was in such a bad way. So um, it's really been a process of trial and error because um, a lot of people don't actually know their trigger foods. So they're eating foods that are triggering their flare and not really registering that and realizing that that's affecting them. So, for example, when someone comes to me and they roughly know what their trigger foods are, but they're not really eliminating them from their diet or they are. And then they just like have a bit of a, you know, crazy weekend and then they're back to square one. No, those are coming out of your diet completely. And we're starting from scratch. And then after a couple of weeks, we can start introducing slowly those particular ingredients back into the, into their diet. And usually they're okay. Um, so that's ultimately what, what I had to do, but because my stretches were so bad I, I had to do this over like a year years it was a long period of time um up to the point when my bowel is completely healed and now I don't actually have any trigger foods um apart from celiac disease so gluten barley wheat rye things like that but um I'm touch words I am good with most things my diet consists of a hell of a lot of food now that I'm insurance so I did think when I started that particular journey my my Crohn's is going to hate me because it's going to have to be digesting a lot of food but I've actually been fine that's, <laughs> that's true you have to try all your recipes and <laughs> exactly more food for me <laughs> I love it yeah so I'm in a very very happy place it's interesting that you say you're you're able to eat pretty much anything now because I've found that to be true with myself too. And that's not something that I ever, there were times during my journey that I thought I'm never going to be able to eat a vegetable, any vegetable ever again. And there's low points. And then to fast forward, I've been doing well, the gut's healing. And now it's like I'm eating salads and vegetables and foods I never thought I was going to be able to eat before. So it's great to hear that you're having that same experience of getting to the place where you're now able to tolerate you know trigger foods yeah. are a thing of the past <laughs> it's amazing and like you said at that point it's it's so demoralizing because you're eating what you think to be healthy foods nothing is sitting right with you you kind of just feel like what is the point <laughs> whatever I eat triggers me or I could eat something one day and it's fine and then I eat the same thing again the next day and it triggers me like what the hell am I doing but you ultimately just literally have to start from scratch and give yourself that healing time because otherwise you're never ever going to progress onto the next step so yeah I'm so glad that you uh, are in the same boat as me because it's 
yeah it's just like it just eliminates food anxiety as well when you go out to eat like now it's like bring on all the food (laughs) exactly (laughs) and you get to enjoy food with confidence and it's such a great feeling so tell me about your strictures because you didn't mention it you never had surgery for the strictures correct did it finally resolve through the medication and lifestyle just the dieting figuring out the foods that work yeah exactly yeah so yeah they took about uh, about 18 months to go down I had three um but now uh I have to get MRI every couple of months but they have been at bay for um quite a few years so yeah they they have gone they are not coming back because that's what I said yeah (laughs) determined (laughs) and we are just gonna roll with that oh that's awesome I love it is there anything you've learned throughout your journey with celiac and IBD that you wish people who like new people who are newly diagnosed or family members is there something you've learned that you wish people knew early on in their journeys um I think the main thing really for me was a lot um of so the realization that a lot of your symptoms are due to external factors. Um, so people who you surround yourself with that inflict stress on your life or your job or your well-being and your lifestyle and how active you are and all these external things that ultimately you have control over that are causing stress onto yourself um like I was in a very toxic relationship for example and I was so ill all the time and I didn't even take into consideration that it could be because of the toxic relationship I just thought it was my Crohn's this is what it is and I can't do anything about it but once I was out of that relationship I I was literally like a different person so I really really want and wish people to look at their you know external environment you know who you're surrounding yourself with who's got you know a lot who's in your life that will contribute a lot to your stress and things like that yeah your diet lifestyle physical activity levels um I wish I took everything into consideration years ago because I don't think I would have got so ill and um yeah I'm in such a better place now so I I know that those were huge factors for my own well-being that's great advice absolutely love that yeah we covered a lot today is there anything that we missed (laughs) that you wanted to share with the audience that I didn't ask you about I don't think so um in your journey are you still riding horses uh, I am, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I am. I've still got my horse. Yeah, my parents bought him for me when I was nine. So he's an old boy now. Aww. I know, but he's still <laughs> going strong. How long do horses live? I know very I little about horses. About that. <laughs> um, like it, it all depends, really. I suppose like, my grand horse um, lived till he was 39. Wow. So, I know. So, um. I don't know. I think mainly like 30, 33, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. But beautiful animals. So, yeah, they are. 
So if people want to follow you and keep up with your journey and learn more about Katie's Life Kitchen, where can they find you online? Uh, yeah, so it's just at Katie's Life Kitchen for social media and the website katieslifekitchen.co.uk. So yeah, everything is uh, Katie's Life Kitchen. Perfect. Well, I'll put all the links in the show notes so people can find them easily. But thank you so much for coming on today and joining me. Thanks, Stephanie. I really appreciate it. Thank you for listening. If you love these interviews and want to support the podcast, visit my website at Crohn'sFitnessFood.com and click on the Buy Me a Coffee link to show some love or visit my featured products page to shop the products and companies that I love and support. If you have an IBD story that you want to share, send me an email at Crohn'sFitnessFood at gmail.com or fill out the form on my website, Crohn'sFitnessFood.com. And always remember, be strong, be grateful, and keep going.